0: This is episode 107 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 107 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Zach Wilms on the show. And Zach is a relatively new investor, but he hit the ground running. He moves really quick. And I really like the way he thinks creatively about his real estate. So he bought a couple of properties. One, he's putting on an additional story. So it's a multiplex. And uh, we call it the big burr for this episode. We dig deep into those numbers. And uh, he also has a property with seven garage units. He's presently earning $1,800 a month with four more units to rent out and it's just a really interesting really creative option because now he has to choose whether he wants to try and develop a laneway house or whether he wants to try and maximize that income from the garage rentals that are possible in his rear yard. So it's not often we get to talk about those different forms of of income that you can get from your property so I really like digging into that and digging into the different case studies that Zach brought with him for today's episode. Zach is a realtor out of Hamilton Ontario really smart really savvy and it was a great conversation I'm confident you're going to really enjoy this one as always if you're new to the podcast make sure you head right back to episode one so that you can benefit from all the wisdom dropped and uh, we do get right into the nuts and bolts of the Burr strategy and other basic fundamentals needed in order to be successful in real estate investing if you haven't already please make sure that you like and subscribe and hit the notification bell if you're watching on youtube go ahead and leave a comment and if you're an audio listener if you could kindly leave me a rating and review on apple Podcasts, it'd be greatly appreciated all these things just help more people to find the show and benefit from the show Really quick announcement before we get on with the episode, I'm doing my first ever live episode, so this is a live episode where you'll get to actually interact with the guest, be part of the interview, and also ask... Questions at the end. So we're going to do some QA with Dylan Suter. So those of you may remember Dylan being on the podcast on episode 24. He's presently over 300 units and he's showing no signs of stopping. So we're going to dig right into the mindset. We're going to dig into the fundamentals, what he's doing, and you're going to have a chance to ask your questions. So you're not going to want to miss this one. If you're interested in being on this live stream, it's going to be streaming on YouTube on Wednesday. March 3rd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This will be available on my YouTube channel, but for easy access directly to the video, go to www.andrew-hines.com forward slash DS Live. So that's DS for Dylan Suter Live. So the link is there. You can set a reminder, and it's really important set a reminder so that you get notified by YouTube. When the episode is streaming and then you'll have direct access to it from there. I'm really looking forward to this. I know that you're going to enjoy it as well. But before we get there, let's go ahead and dig in here with Zach Wilms. Please enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have uh, at long last Zach Wilms on the show. Zach, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you doing today, man?
0: Good. Yeah, I've been, uh, been looking forward to this. I know we talked about this a very long time ago and then for some reason it never happened.
1: Life happens. Likewise. i yeah. looking forward to coming on the show.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Zach, um, we talked maybe about a year ago at yeah. a conference. You were telling me all the stuff you're into, lots of JVs, yep. multi-units. Uh, I think you had a project with some garages attached to it. I
1: do. Yeah. Good, good memory. Good memory.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's all coming back to me. So anyways, why don't you just give, uh, give the intro about yourself, what you do, and then we'll dig in.
1: Absolutely. So I probably got really started in real estate, hardcore investing about two years ago, I would say, when I really started to focus in on it. Um, And since then, I've definitely been able to grow my portfolio quite fast. It's been an exciting ride and I'm looking forward to the future. But it basically started off kind of similar to most people, I would say, starting off with the smaller multifamily properties and quickly realizing that the bigger you go, kind of the better the profits you get Mm -hmm. and the more work you decide to put in, the more rewards at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. So that's when I kind of got into looking at the bigger multis, doing some of the Burr conversion properties. Yeah. And now looking forward to the future, doing some bigger multis.
0: So what, yeah, like walk me through the progression of what you bought two years ago, what you got. Well, first off, what do you got in your portfolio right now?
1: So it's a good mix of duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, um, a current sixplex under construction. The garage one, I don't know what you can really call that. It's a duplex with about seven garages on it. So.
0: Yeah, I was trying to trying to remember the details about that one. It's a pretty yeah. interesting
1: property. When I saw it listed, it's definitely one of a kind. So I figured I had to have something like that in my portfolio. But I started off with the duplex, nice and simple, still own it today. Um, top mm-hmm. units in Airbnb. The main floor is just a regular year-long rental. So that's still going strong about two years into it. Then moved up into a triplex, which was a little bit more turnkey, I would say, something nice and easy that you can just buy. Cash flows mm-hmm. from day one. Did a little turnover, a unit renovation, and still own that today. And then jumped into that duplex with the garages and now really focusing on the BRRRR strategy.
0: Okay. So you weren't really doing Burr initially. You were just kind of buying. You know, was that with joint ventures or just yourself?
1: With joint ventures, yeah. That was kind of nice and simple, buying turnkey properties, um, figuring out that there's a little bit of room to move up rents and cash flow. And then about a year ago, got really into the Burr strategy. Um, Realized listening to podcasts like yourself, everyone else is doing it. There's some great profits in it. Mm -hmm. So quickly turned into doing two of those and then a third one underway right now.
0: Yeah. What have we done created a little army of people that are going to compete for (laughs) deals against us? Absolutely. I get so many people reaching out to me. Oh yeah, we, we, uh, we do the burst strategy. It's, it's crazy how many people have like listened to this podcast and other ones similar and just started doing this.
1: And trust me, even as a real estate agent, I tell people about what I've done and Mm -hmm. they say the same thing. They're like, can you find me one of those deals? And it's really not as easy as it sounds.
0: Yeah, it's not necessarily going to uh, the perfect burr where you pull all the money out. It's it's not really there. So how were you able to get partners to sign on when you weren't going to be doing a burr, so to speak? You weren't promising them any equity back. Were they just really appealing cash flow numbers or upside? What was it?
1: It was a little bit of both. It was definitely the cash flow numbers. And to be honest, a lot of the joint venture partners I have don't know a lot about real estate. Right? They have some good money, they have families, they have kids, they don't have a lot of time to actually invest into the business. Mm-hmm. right? So I've always been the working partner, one that's on the ground, doing the property management, dealing with the tenants, finding them, yeah. and kind of doing everything that's really involved in finding the deals and bringing it to fruition.
0: Now, so you're not going to hire out property management, or is that something you'll eventually do?
1: It's definitely something I've thought about in the future. Um, Looking at some of these bigger projects, I think once I go over 12 units, it's definitely something I would consider. Um, But staying in around the six range, it's usually something I can manage once everything's up and going. Typically, the property management isn't so bad on a month-to-month basis.
0: Yeah, I find certain types of properties are really easy to manage. Like I have a single family in London, uh, and the tenants take care of their own landscaping, snow removal, everything. I don't they change their own furnace filters. I do nothing. Beautiful. They pay their own utilities. Like it's like not the most efficient in terms of returns, but oh my goodness, in terms of management, it's like nothing. And they just want to stay there. Exactly. And it cash flows well. Like it'd be a really bad decision for me to sell that one.
1: And that's Um, the thing, right? Some properties are a little bit more management. Some properties, not so much. So if there was a property that was taking up too much of my time, I'd probably pass off to a property manager at this point.
0: Yeah, that's what I think. there's a big thing. Like you, you have a property for a while. You kind of acknowledge how it is to manage that this specific property attracts this type of tenant do exactly. i want to deal with that you exactly know? i've got one that it's it's not the same as my other properties and it, it's getting a different type of tenant and i'm like mm, maybe <laughs> it's time to just cycle away it's not to say that it's not a good property it's just other people might be more suited to manage that specific property Hundred percent with their style so okay so you've got a handful of properties what are you up to like 15 16 units or more than that at this current point, I think I'm about twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Okay, so I was off by a bit. Uh, <laughs> that's all, right. all right. And how many joint venture partners are you uh, are you splitting that among? We are about,
1: I want to say, around six or seven joint venture partners at okay. this point.
0: Same ones that that you started with. Nope.
1: A lot of different ones, to be honest. Everyone kind of brings something different to the table. So with one of my latest burrs, I actually partnered with a general contractor Mm -hmm. so that he could take over most of the property and I could just kind of be on the back end, helping manage with JV partners and things like that. But he's dealing with construction on a day-to-day basis. So you don't
0: get into the construction side of things? Certain projects, yes. This
1: project Mm -hmm. was honestly so big that it needed a full general contractor to take over everything from start to finish.
0: Okay, so this is the big project we 'll talk about <laughs> this is a big one okay, so going back to the uh to the initial um joint venture partners and how you attracted them i 'll say this is is it 's been on my mind uh because a lot of people are of the opinion and I think they've set the precedent for all other would be joint venture partners that you need to do a burr and there needs to be money coming back. I feel like this floats around and it kind of irritates me because. Uh, maybe the deal doesn't doesn't fit a burr, you know, and there are people out there that don't need the money back. They've got a a good chunk. And if they can leave it in, I like to keep an open mind. I don't like to just do the same thing everybody else is doing just because they're doing it. So I I like that you've you've got something or you've done something with with uh, without the element to it. Is that something you would you would do again in the future? And how would you know if you'd found a deal that works for that?
1: You know what? It's absolutely something I do in the future. I think it really comes down to the person, right? So whenever mm-hmm. I talk to potential JV partners, I'm not necessarily pushing what I do onto them. I'm kind of seeing what fits for them, right? Yeah. Some people don't want to get into a project that revolves around a $250,000 renovation because me mm-hmm. and you know, a lot can go wrong with those types of projects, right? Some yeah. partners There's like... Let me just put in my down payment. It's cash flowing as Mm -hmm. of day one. You're going to manage it. I'm not going to hear from you every single day. And, you know, keep giving my monthly cash flow and we'll sell it maybe in five, six years.
0: So you just just say, hey, this is what you got to put in. You qualify for the mortgage. This is what I expect we'll get and I'll keep working to optimize it. Exactly. So you don't charge for the management. You just... For those and ones that's I your don't. value add.
1: Exactly, right? But it all depends on the partner, mm-hmm. right? Some partners do want to get into the burrs. They do want to see the, the, the money capital come back. recycled. Exactly, right? Man. Other ones are just nice and simple. Let me just leave it in there for a couple of years and then evaluate in, in a few years. And to be honest, some of those projects might even have a potential future redevelopment, right? Yeah. So the one with the garages, there is a future, let's say, five years down the road that we can redevelop that. Right, so that one was turnkey You're from saying day one. Put in,
0: put in more units or sever off exactly.
1: land. Exactly, sever off some land, put in more units. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of aspect there that we both acknowledged from day one and said maybe this is something we do in the future, but not right now. Let's just leave it cash flow for now.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of if you've got extra land, and this is why I say if you have an opportunity to buy a property with extra land, you never know what planning changes will come in the future. Exactly. If if you have the ability to work away at severing that lot. Or so, you know and then building something nice you can get all the approvals while cash flowing while having your cash flow pay for the the fees for the approvals 100%. and then you can just pull the trigger like that's that to me is like the best type of development where you, you're taking something that you don't need to work, yep. but you can pursue it and, and it doesn't really cost you much. Exactly.
1: And you're cash flowing while you're going through all the paperwork and yeah. plans and everything else as well.
0: So what do you think you might be able to build? Because seven garages is pretty profitable. 200 bucks a garage a month or? Even more gar- than that. You'd be surprised. So what are you getting per month for a garage?
1: One's a barn, which is renting about $500 a month. Yeah. Um, I have two basically car shops on there as well, which are both getting about $400 a month. Mm-hmm. So just within the barns, there's easily about $1,800 worth of rent coming in. Wow. So they're doing well for me right now, but it does back onto a laneway and Hamilton did just legalize laneway suites. So that is definitely something I'm considering for the future.
0: Laneway suites, even if you already have a duplex on the property, you can still do it?
1: That's kind of the gray area right now. They legally yeah. said it's for single family homes. You can put a secondary suite on the back, but mm. they haven't set it for multifamily homes yet.
0: Yeah, but I mean, garages seem pretty profitable. Like, why would you switch? Like, your garages are profitable. You, you, so you said you have three of them of seven rented. Yeah, why not just rent the other the other four and then you have like three thousand, four thousand a month.
1: Some of them are small. Some of them are like yeah. little shacks and things like that. I necessarily couldn't call them a garage, but yeah. it's just more for the future, like you said, potential to sever it and also potential to mm. get way more rent out of it and increase the whole uh, value of the property.
0: Yeah. I mean I think that an investor though like even myself, if I saw that you had seven garages or even four that were profitable, I'd look at how much money does that make versus the other. Although you technically, I guess, should be charging HST on the on the rents for the garages.
1: It's a little bit in the gray area. Mm -hmm. Even when I bought it and I was talking to my lawyer about how do we set up the leases, is it Mm -hmm. commercial leases, is it residential leases? It's really depending on how I wanted to structure it. Mm -hmm. She said you could easily do it residential or you could easily do a commercial.
0: Yeah, well, you don't really want to, you don't really want to go down the commercial route if you don't have to. Exactly. So, is it just as simple as just write it on a residential lease, yep. or? So you, it's that simple. So you just have them rent out the garage on a residential lease. Exactly. Oh. So no, it's that simple. She said that your accountant said there's no implication there. No implications. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. So even though it doesn't have a bathroom or a bedroom or anything like that, you can technically still rent it out, and. That's they, what we have they deal okay that's cool yeah you can put a little caveat no bathroom or bedroom exactly
1: not allowed to live in it
0: you can rent it but you're not allowed to live in it you can rent it but you're not
1: allowed to live in it
0: man I, I like this I guess you learn something every day are there any implications that that you're aware of of doing it that way like limitations Not necessarily.
1: I asked her and we kind of went back and forth on this. And she even asked another lawyer and she basically just said it It really depends on the lease that you sign with them. If you go commercial and sign a commercial Mm -hmm. lease, Mm -hmm. then you're under all the commercial laws. If you stay under residential, you stay under the residential laws.
0: Very cool. Okay. I guess evicting is a little bit of a problem, though. You'd go through the normal landlord tenant. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's interesting to know. Okay. So let's look at the numbers for that one just because I'm curious. What did you buy that one for?
1: We bought that one for five hundred and twenty-five thousand.
0: Okay, and then what kind of rentals do you have into the house and the garage and everything? All in.
1: All in about fifteen thousand. It was just about one unit turnover. Okay,
0: so you're in for about five forty. You didn't yep. refinance that thing. Nope. And uh, do you know what your value is? Just out of curiosity. Or...
1: I'd say we're easily somewhere around like six sixty, six seventy at this point. Okay. Very conservatively.
0: All right. So even if we just say you know five forty as the purchase. What kind of rent do you have on that place then? So,
1: upstairs in the duplex is getting 1850 plus hydro. Okay. Main floor is getting 1450 plus hydro.
0: And then your garages are getting 17
1: Garages, you can say let me just do some quick math here. 400 plus 375 plus 500 plus 200 200 plus 100. Yeah, you could say about $1800. Okay,
0: so this property is generating 5100 a month. That's pretty solid. So uh, taxes on that place, what four grand or so? You're
1: About four thousand. Yep.
0: Okay, and then insurance.
1: Insurance, we're a little bit more expensive because of the garages, so that was about three hundred and thirty. Okay,
0: so that's just about four grand a year. Um, maintenance, I'll just throw five percent in yep. there. Um, utilities on an annual basis, or or monthly.
1: On a monthly basis, we're around about three hundred dollars.
0: And uh, let's just see. So you have maintenance. We have management. Management's all me. Okay, we won't uh, won't include anything. Uh, lawn cutting, snow removal. You know what?
1: I pay one of the um, garage guys thirty dollars a month, or three dollars uh, every time he shovels the snow. So
0: okay, it's like sixty bucks a month. Yeah, or you could say about sixty. And then lawn cutting, they do it.
1: They do it as well. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we'll call it maybe sixty a month across the year. Yep, basically across the year. Okay, so that's seven twenty a year, and then just miscellaneous to throw five hundred bucks in there. Um, okay, so your cap rate on this property, being five forty into it, is six point four six percent see this these are kind of numbers you don't you don't hear about in hamilton like people nope. are buying stuff cap rates of two percent three percent i mean granted on Maltese, like exactly
1: uh, this one's definitely a unique one
0: yeah so if we're approximately 80 percent mortgage 30 year am um I'm guessing you're like a two and a half or almost three percent interest rate on that. About
1: two and a half. Yeah. yeah when based we on, on when it. you
0: bought it, yeah. yeah. So you're about twelve hundred dollars a month in cash flow on that place. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's a that's a solid investment. And then if you want to break down those returns, so mortgage pay down, you're like ten grand a year, yep. appreciation. If we say three percent, that's like sixteen, although it's been better. Very I'm sure we've done very much better than that. <laughs> uh fourteen thousand a year in cash flow, so that's like forty one thousand dollars a year return on an investment of about 189000 exactly. So total return on investment here is around 21%. But uh, hey, that's a lot better than people are getting on their RSPs in most yeah. cases. So. It's one of my favorite properties. Yeah. Well, I mean, the cash flow is nice. So your investor, is he motivated by cash flow? Like yeah, he wanted, absolutely. Yeah. So again, you just got to satisfy people's needs, right? And like that's it. If they have a problem or if they're looking for something. So how do you structure that? Do you have money coming into one account and you guys pay once you get over a certain amount?
1: Yeah, money all goes into the same account that okay. we're joint on.
0: Yeah. Do you have like, once you hit $10,000, you, you can take everything on top of that or?
1: So what we usually do is with your repairs and maintenance and vacancy, I always put that into a separate account. Okay. So if anything does happen, that money's already there and it doesn't come out of either one of our pockets as well.
0: So the centralized account, what, uh, what's the procedure with that on a monthly basis then? So you, you get the money comes in, put some money into a repair and maintenance fund Yep. and And then then the rest is just distributed. Exactly. The rest
1: is 50, 50.
0: Awesome. Well, that's, uh, Everyone has their own, their own procedure with that. I think that's great. Like for me, yeah, I just like to have that account, that buffer, right? Cause you never <laughs> want to have to call them. Oh, Hey Jim, um, I no, need 10 exactly. grand. I need 10 grand for a roof. <laughs> uh, no, would be how a would terrible do, call to make. How would you do that? If that came off something big, would you guys both reach into your pocket or would it be on your JV partner?
1: You know, yeah, it would likely, based on our contract, have to come through the JV partner. Mm -hmm. Right. But again,
0: you don't want that to happen. No. right? And real
1: estate is all about relations. Right. Mm -hmm. So if it did come down to it and they were tight on it, I'm sure we would make something work.
0: Yeah. That's the key thing is not to have to make that call. Like having the foresight and, you know, knowing what happens, what can happen. I just know roofs, furnaces, those are the ones that could surprise you, sneak up on you. And all of a sudden you're into a big expense. The other ones you can usually see them coming. Except for roots in a sewer, which can cause a lot of damage and maybe had that happen once
1: too. That's not fun.
0: (laughs) Those are the least fun of all the things that can. I think the least fun. I would say water in the basement is right up there. And depending on how uh, how poopy things get, it could be real bad. (laughs) Oh man, it's a gross one. Um, Okay, so that looks like a solid property. Obviously, it seems like you like it. I love the future upside of that. Like the potential is is great. If you keep. If you keep making bets like that, eventually a few of them are going to pay off.
1: That's what we're looking yeah. for.
0: Okay. So uh, let's talk about the, uh, the big project. The burr, Absolutely. Okay. So you got a big burr. Um, all right. What is it first off?
1: This is a big two and a half story home, downtown Hamilton. Um, used to be actually a squatter's house when we bought it. So when we went in there, there was beds on the floor, needles everywhere. It was yeah. quite the horror looking home when yeah. we first bought it and every time we talked to even mortgage brokers and people looked at the pictures on google maps they were like what did you guys buy
0: yeah but, but it is it's a okay out, well, area
1: it's in a great area it's one of my favorite streets of hamilton um mm-hmm. we got it at a great price got it the first day it listed on the market they were actually holding back offers and we mm-hmm. gave them a bully offer first day and they accepted it that works it works okay I, to it's, be honest i was a little bit shocked when they accepted it too but it ended up working yeah. out for us
0: I say that uh, tongue in cheek, but uh, so so bully offers these days seem like they might be a little bit more challenging because all these buyers seem to know, or sellers seem to know that they can get an arm and 10 legs for their properties. So what did you have to do? Explain the circumstance of what you had to do to make that work.
1: So they had it listed at four fifty, holding offers back for a week. We mm-hmm. went in the first day, gave them an extra $26,000 firm offer, deposit in hand, and basically pushed them a little bit, saying how bad the property was and kind of talking about the comparables and got them to accept it
0: that day. So you went in person? Went in person, talked to the agent. That's huge. Right. And how you do you know what, set up that, that type of meeting? Like, how do you do that? You it, just call the, the realtor and say, I want to come present you with an offer?
1: Basically, and you know what? The stars aligned. He was a Toronto yeah. agent. He was in Hamilton for the day, kind of dealing with the listing and with his client. Didn't really know the market kind of as well as probably some of the other Hamilton realtors did. So mm-hmm. we kind of snuck in there at the right time in the right place and got a great offer. And- mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so it pays to, to be savvy in real estate. You're, you're a realtor, obviously you have that um, that knowledge. So yeah, for anyone listening who's not familiar with the bully offer, that's when you don't wait until the realtor listing the property says offers are to be made irrevocable until. So present offers on Friday, make irrevocable for what, 24 hours, they probably Usually. say. Yep. So you didn't do any of that. You just, you just went right in and said, no, we're not waiting. And I think the motivation... It's pretty obvious with this. It's like they're a burden hand is worth two in the bush, the expression. So they have an offer right there with a deposit. You give them what, like 20 grand deposit? 20 grand. Yeah, good guess. Um, (laughs) So so you give them a good deposit. You showed you're serious. You're a realtor. You show professionalism. Now they're going to think, well, wait a minute. We could wait. But what if we wait and we actually don't get 26 grand over? So you presented, you created doubt. um, And you gave them a motivation to say, okay, you know what? Let's just take this. We might get more, but I feel more comfortable just saying it's done. And we made, we made a good buck. We were over ask. Um, 100%. Great. And
1: with the, it with the being a squatter's house, yeah. and we started to learn the history of this property, this seller, unfortunately, had a really, really tough time with this property. His plan was to renovate it and bring it back to life to what it is looking like today. And unfortunately, the squatters just kept ruining all of his plans. Yeah, so they
0: going in and like cutting out the copper. And exactly.
1: Breaking yeah. windows, things like that. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it was just the right time, and the right place for us and made him happy, yeah. made us happy.
0: I went into a, a place I was uh, being asked to uh, to potentially rebuild this place so I was involved and um, I, I uh, went to check it out because we were either going to rebuild it or actually tear it down and build a new house and uh, I walked inside and there were just so somebody had come in and they had actually cut and harvested all the ha- copper but didn't take it it was sitting neatly stacked on the counter like ready, like they were going to come back. <laughs> this is how comfortable they were with this property yeah. that they could just come in whenever they wanted. So we cut it all wow. out. They did all the work the night before and now they were just going to take the copper and kind of cash it as they needed it, I guess. Wow. Comfortable uh, enough to
1: yell, come back and get yeah. it later.
0: Yeah. And of course you got needles. <laughs> I walked in yeah. there one day and then the water was actually like pouring out uh, before Oof. the meter. Oof. So there was a break before the meter. I'm like, I wonder how many like <laughs> gallons of water. And so, in Hamilton, man, you see these things. You, you see squatters do do terrible things to houses. They're and- very crafty. And it's not just Hamilton. Like it's happened to me in in London. I had a house that I bought that uh, people had broken into and yeah. stole all the copper. So anytime you see a house with fresh PEX lines and it's an old house, start yeah. questioning why that is. <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of people are like, "Oh, look, it's got brand new PEX." There's a reason for that. Yeah. Why does it have that? Because <laughs> copper's just fine. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Just, no one wants to steal the the plastic PEX stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, not to digress here. So, what are you doing to the place? So we are
1: turning it into four units. Um, to do that, we actually had to rip off the entire roof, basically about 85% of it um, to get the height that we needed. Yeah, big, big dormer and to get the light that we needed for the unit and okay. for the back entrance as well.
0: So you had an engineer do all this up for you? Yep,
1: engineer or- and architect.
0: Okay, so when you say architect, are you referring to like somebody with a, um, a college diploma and they have the, uh, the architect designation? Or actual architects.
1: Actual architects. Really? Yeah. Okay. To do the full drawings. Because we yeah. did we end up ripping off about eighty five percent of it to extend the roof line up yeah. um to get the exact height that we needed. And we had to draw out the entire building as well. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I'll work with uh typically like a combo, like it's a company, he's an engineer, but he has people with the BCIN designation. Okay. So they'll they might come in and do all the designs and stuff and then the engineer would sign off on mm-hmm. all the uh, the structural. Uh and that's worked out really well. I'd be very curious who you're using up this way, and you don't have to say it now if you don't want to. But um, you know, it's great to have people who can do that kind of work and conceptualize it. Did they want to know anything about your footings, or because you weren't changing the number of stories, they were good. Like you could just they were good with it. Yeah, yeah. good. All all they had to do is just redesign the the roof. Exactly. Yeah, I love getting into stuff like that because what you just described um most people don't want to do it
1: yeah yeah and that's why for this yeah. one i did end up partnering with the general contractor just because of the scope of work was so yeah. big and i knew working full time i wouldn't be able to be there every single day and make sure that the project's yeah. going the way it should be going
0: okay so big project yeah it sounds like a full guy. you're kind of doing the sandy mckay special with the uh the four units i guess you probably know like sandy and 100 and uh adrian um of course a lot of you know they're not the only ones doing this so you're going to have two legal units and then you're going to have ultimately four, right? The best part is three, three, three legal? legal
1: units with one that's an in-law
0: suite. One that's in it. Oh, so it's all legal then? or
1: The fourth one we couldn't get 100% legal yeah. just because of a two-inch height difference in the basement, which is, hmm. in my opinion, a little bit crazy because when I'm in the basement looking outside the window, I'm actually above grade. The way yeah. these basements were, like chest height, I'm above grade. Yeah. But because we're six, 7 not six, 9 we couldn't be able to get the legal status for the basement. Without having mm-hmm. to dig it out.
0: Gotta love these. You didn't want to dig it? $80,000. 80000 See, so these are the kind of numbers I usually hear about digging. But I've heard of people doing it real cheap.
1: It we tried. Depends. Three different quotes. Everyone came back $80,000. How
0: much would you have been digging out? Like how many inches? It was only about six inches. It's, it'd be interesting to just run the calculation because that doesn't sound like that much. But when you figure the volume of area to go down six inches on like what? A thousand square feet?
1: About a thousand square feet. Yeah. And because it's a uh, stone foundation, we also had to do benching which, we were, which we we're losing a lot of square footage for as well yeah and that just put us under the minimum square footage for that basement legal unit so then we would have had to get a variance on top of that so we figured it was probably going to increase our timeline by about four or five mm-hmm. months just to get that all done
0: so will you still go in and get uh like a fire inspection on the lower unit and get it all yep so it'll all be properly um set up because exactly. just it just won't satisfy the the government's legal status exactly which uh i'm I don't give legal advice, but uh, everybody do what you you want to do, and I think I mean it doesn't sound like a bad deal to me. <laughs> uh, okay, so what did you end up buying it for? We ended
1: up paying four hundred and seventy six thousand for it.
0: Four seventy six, and then your runo is going to be a big one. It's about
1: two hundred fifty thousand.
0: Two fifty. Okay, so you're in for uh, seven twenty six, and I actually just had Austin Mulder on the show, and he was talking about his. He got his appraisal back at nine hundred and seventy thousand. Wow we got ours at 950 950 yeah. okay but his yeah his he just got it back like last week i think so um this was a little while ago
1: well so for our appraiser we actually got it done at the front end so oh, we're,
0: he gave you an as on, on an initial yeah. and on complete exactly but they're probably still gonna like the is still gonna want to do a new a fresh one hundred percent so and you could sh- very well find a better uh but yeah we'll just assume six uh 950 yeah so Purchase uh, four seventy six two fifty Reno, uh, and that would include carrying costs and and yep, such. That includes okay. carrying costs. Um, and so you're you're in for uh, seven twenty six, uh, new value of nine fifty, and then if we get eighty um, percent on the new mortgage, then you're going to get uh, seven sixty. So you are actually going to be pulling out about thirty four thousand dollars. So
1: worked out well for us now for this one i actually did a little bit something different on the back end Mm -hmm. because the general contractor wants to go on and do other projects and didn't necessarily want to stay on what i did is actually found a jv partner to sell this project to that i could stay on with 50 50 and we could cash out the general contractor
0: so i know a guy who does that actually he's been on the podcast a couple of times um my buddy uh, carlo he actually will sell the project to an investor and then jv back so his company owns it they do the reno and yep. all the stuff sell it to the end user and then um basically he circles his money back around and basically buys it from himself
1: very similar to what i'm yeah. doing with this project
0: yeah that's a that's a great structure so at the end of the day are you like how much money are you going to be in on this project with
1: I should be in for $0. So the other
0: JV is going to be putting in all the money. So you're exactly. still in for nothing. And you're still yep. going to own
1: 50%. And I still should be getting a little bit of a profit, probably around $25,000, $30,000.
0: On the renovation. Okay. Yep. Okay. Let's just treat it as if you're <laughs> refining at the at the 950 for simplicity's sake. I know it's, it's roughly going to be a little bit, little bit different than that. Um, okay. So rent on that property, what are we looking at?
1: I'm looking about sixty-two fifty every single month.
0: Sixty-two fifty—that's a nice. You like that number? That's a really nice rent. (laughs) Uh, So sixty-two fifty. How does that break down? Like two grand on the on the main two units, and then basically. So our
1: our basement's going to be about twelve fifty. It's a one bedroom. Main floor is a huge one bedroom, like nine and a half foot ceilings, which is going to be about fifteen hundred. And being conservative, second floor is two bedrooms, going to be about two thousand. And then the top floor, which is a Really, really nice, big mm-hmm. open space. It's going to be about another $1,500. Another
0: 1500 Well, that's fantastic. So 6250 across the house. I yeah. just leave a 2% vacancy here. Yeah. But uh, okay, so that one's, you know, your taxes are going to get reassessed after they close For the permit. Sure. What do you figure you're going to be in it?
1: I'll probably be somewhere around 450 to 500 bucks a month in taxes. Okay, so 500
0: times 12. So that's six grand a year. Um, insurance on that one probably... What, it's going to be a little
1: bit higher. So likely around the $220, 250 range a month yeah okay so 250
0: times 12 yeah three grand a year makes sense for yeah. that um, maintenance will leave at five percent for now because you're gonna have a fresh reno for sure. um, utilities on that so they're all
1: are separate hydrometers the way we set it up is that the basement unit is going to be also on all the exterior so that's going to be the only one that's going to be all-inclusive
0: okay so basement unit is all-inclusive um, now are you do you have a centralized furnace for this house central furnace correct. yeah okay so probably a new gas furnace you're throwing in exactly all right, so you're gonna be paying gas, you're gonna be paying water, yep. and then you're gonna be paying one electric meter. So what do you figure you're gonna be in for? I figure I'm probably the
1: same thing around five hundred and fifty dollars a month.
0: Five fifty a month for yeah, all that?
1: I'm conservative.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's
1: that's the way I always do my numbers. You right? know
0: what, man? I like being conservative and then being pleasantly surprised. Exactly. There's there's the delicate balance of you don't want to be too conservative and cut yourself out of deals, but it doesn't seem like you're struggling with that. You seem to you seem to be doing well. Yep. Um okay, so management, you're not gonna charge anything. Oh. Um and lawn cutting we're going to leave it at uh, what 720 there's basically
1: nothing to cut nothing to cut nothing to shovel there's
0: okay. a tiny little back parking
1: space but there's absolutely no so the grass. tenants
0: take care of to, of their shuttle. Exactly. they're shoveling so you don't have to do anything well that's good because rarely with a fourplex can you get away with not having to do any of that stuff okay so we'll leave the miscellaneous at 500 bucks so hypothetically if you uh, did this deal 80% 30 year am and now you can get like 2% interest yep um, your cash flow is going to be around just short of a thousand, probably. Is that kind yeah. of what you're figuring? Sounds
1: about right. Like yeah. I said, the way we structured this, to be honest, when we sold it to our JV partners, we actually gave them a fifty thousand dollars deduction off what we thought it was going to be appraised for. That's kind of some built-in equity yeah. for them, a little bit of incentive value. Okay, for them so they're, to buying, it for a... exactly. they're okay. buying it for less than nine fifty. Exactly, they're buying it for nine hundred, basically, which makes the cash flow look a little bit better.
0: And it gives you some money in your pocket. Exactly. And then you're still going to get half that cash flow. Yeah, that's all right, man. You're building up this basic cash flow um, relatively quickly. Yeah, it's looking good. Okay. So let's break down the rest of your return. You've got your pay down about 19800 a year. Yep. Um, 3% appreciation works out to be about 28500 in a year. And then you've got $11,954 of cash flow based on this model. Uh, so that's $60,000 total return. And you don't have an investment so uh, it's just an infinite return and you're making 60 grand well half of that 30 grand for your sweat so that's the nice thing you do the work up front and then it just keeps paying you in perpetuity that's why i love real estate yeah that's why we invest in that's why i started the podcast man um yeah and the numbers work well here too like we we talk about covering a debt coverage ratio if you wanted to finance this commercially uh, you got to have the 1.2 to 1. Um, your debt coverage ratio here is actually 1.35 to one so you're set up to to get that full 80%. Um, obviously, every bank looks at it a little bit different yep. on the residential side. You're just probably working with Scotiabank on this. Yep. Everybody seems to do it the same way. Yeah. Cat's out of the bag. Exactly. Buy, right? buy a two and a half story brick downtown uh, Hamilton, gut it, make it into four units and finance it with Scotiabank. Seems right. to be the recipe. We're not trying to
1: pave our own <laughs> way. We're just looking at all the other paths and saying, this looks like a good path for but us. But I,
0: I like not reinventing the wheel. You, you re you recreate and then you you uh get creative after you know exactly. what you're doing yeah once you know what you're doing then you start getting more creative and doing things that you wouldn't do if you were just then you starting can innovate you know? a little bit and put yeah.
1: your own little flair onto it
0: yeah absolutely so these are solid deals um is this so this was bought in 2020 i'm guessing
1: this was right at the beginning of 2020
0: okay so you're all done now or close we're, to
1: we're basically just at the point now we're
0: getting refinanced okay yeah, I mean, if you remember, fire me some uh, some photos and I'll I'll overlay Absolutely. them on, on this. Uh, I do like getting the visual. It's just sometimes they don't get to me in time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely give you some okay. pictures. All right. um, What else are you working on? Right now, we've got a brand
1: new project that we just closed on at the end of 2020, which is going to be a sixplex conversion downtown Hamilton as well. Um, the big one for this one was zoning, right? When we looked at this property, It is the one house, first house in from the King Street, which actually allows you to be in the transit corridor zoning, which allows you to make it into six legal units.
0: So how many units is it to start? It was
1: kind of like a rooming house, you could call it. Mm -hmm. It was basically four units with two shared kitchens, uh, a little bit of of everything in this property. It was very, very tough to understand what was actually going on. And the owner clearly Mm -hmm. wasn't in the right frame of mind to be an investor. So we picked it up at a great yeah. price and are going to turn it into something really, really nice.
0: Okay. And uh, are you changing the physical structure on, in terms of footprint, or are you just working within the existing structure? Working within the existing structure. And there's enough room for six units?
1: It's basically very similar two-and-a-half-story brick home. Uh, it's about 2,600 square feet total, and it's going to be two apartments per floor.
0: So they're going to be real small units. Then. They're going to be small. They're going like, to be
1: bachelors and one bedrooms. Like but
0: 500 square feet per unit or something? Roughly about 5,
1: 560. But yeah. with the space that we're in and the area that we're in, to be honest, from property management, I like getting the smaller units, the one bedrooms, the bachelors in the downtown core. Because I feel like they're so much easier to rent than trying to get some big two bedrooms or three bedroom units or anything like that.
0: Okay now so this is really close to like uh what would it be like close to king street are you near yeah. are you near uh what's the uh the popular street down there Where all the uh they did the nice like re- refinishing repay oh i wish we were lock. near
1: king william and lock street
0: yeah lock street's really nice. so you're not down there
1: we're more east of downtown
0: east of downtown yeah. so towards where like the, the tim hortons field is yep basically right in between yeah.
1: tim hortons field and the downtown core. okay
0: yeah so and are you north of king or south of king
1: we are just north of king okay so i'll give a little tidbit if you are the first house in from king or main street you actually do get wrapped into their zoning yeah. which makes those properties really really valuable
0: oh okay so you're you're in that little scenario exactly. there. exactly okay so there's uh it, it pays to know the rules and that's that's the big thing like if you understand zoning you follow zoning and yep. you want to play within those rules then um, you know it, it'll benefit you you'll see a deal come up you're like oh that's in that zone um, like I used to spend so much time on like the London property zoning map. Like I'd be searching it up, reading every bylaw. Like I'd print some stuff off and sketch it out with a ruler, see if it works. It's one of the best tools. Yeah. Before I actually go to send it to my engineer or make an offer, I'm like sketching it out and saying, okay, this works within the bylaw. I exactly. Can do that. Um, so yeah, that's an awesome, uh, awesome tidbit. So what did you end up uh, buying that one for? We bought that one for five hundred thousand
1: off market from a wholesaler
0: okay and are you going to need to pay development charges to go from one unit to very very likely yeah do you know how much they'll be usually hamilton's around 15 to 17 thousand dollars per unit per unit so you think you're going to pay that on every single one yeah okay There. i now i did have a guy on the podcast who told me he got an incentive to go to three units though not to six Oof. in the downtown we'll see yeah okay we'll so see. you're planning on that pending though? Okay, so you're five hundred to buy, what do you yep. figure you are to uh to reno and develop?
1: We figure we're about three hundred to three hundred and fifty thousand
0: dollars. Okay. Including development charges. Yeah. Okay. So you're in for eight fifty. Now this one's obviously very different. You're gonna be you're gonna be generating a lot more income. So what do you figure that's worth when you're done?
1: So our as complete
0: appraisal came back at one point four million. Wow. There's some serious money there. There is. Serious money. So now you're not gonna be able to get eighty percent on that though. Not likely because
1: it's going to probably go into commercial. So we're likely going to be about 75 or maybe even 70% loan to value.
0: So I've heard that uh, RBC will still do sixplexes. Now, the question is, will they still be comfortable at a 1.4 valuation giving you a mortgage to 80%? That's going to be the real question. Yep. I suspect they're going to probably want to trim it back a bit. Most maybe, likely. maybe go to 75. Even if you're at 75, if you really are just 500K to buy plus 350, you're in for 850, and your new mortgage is 1050000 So you're be pulling out 200k. Now that's awesome. Yeah, looking yeah. forward to that one. <laughs> now rent on that one. Have you have you crunched these numbers? Yeah, I,
1: I crunched them a little bit. Um, figure like a bachelor in Hamilton is going to be going for about 1100, and likely three. Probably four of them. We're just finalizing the drawings as we speak. Yeah. So likely let's say four of them are gonna be about eleven hundred. Yeah. And then there's gonna be two decent size one bedrooms, which we're probably gonna be able to get about fourteen fifty
0: to fifteen hundred for. Yeah. Okay, so fourteen fifty times two. So you're gonna be getting seventy three hundred a month on yeah. this. Nice, nice spot. Um I mean we could estimate you know, your taxes probably be seven grand by the time you're yeah. done. Um insurance is probably gonna be four grand. We're just doing fast numbers, five percent maintenance, utilities. Maybe eight grand a year or something
1: probably even a little bit less because it is going to be all separate hydrometers we're doing yeah. the dual heat and air conditioning units as well so there's are you doing be
0: ductless mini splits ductless mini splits. oh okay yeah so you're gonna be way less you're probably gonna be like four grand a year max there we go uh, you're just gonna have water right mainly water and
1: mainly water yeah, yeah. six separate um yeah. hot water tanks for everybody as well all in the electric
0: yeah any any uh, lawn care or, or snow removal next to nothing garbage removal or, yeah, probably a little bit of garbage removal but so, next so to no lawn we'll, we'll put a thousand bucks in there for yeah. that kind of stuff and then miscellaneous 500 bucks so cap rate wise i mean this is getting more in line with what you'd kind of expect to see in hamilton mm-hmm. like it's a 3.97 cap rate which i mean that's probably pretty common exactly and uh, that's
1: actually how the appraiser looked at it on yeah. the as complete value as well
0: that's how he came up with that yeah so uh so if we go the 75 percent uh 25 year am or do you, maybe you get 30 still. If you're doing residential with RBC, they should still. Yeah,
1: with residential, likely, yeah. but not the commercial route.
0: Yeah. So if they give you the 2%, um, your cash flow isn't astronomical. But keeping in mind, you're putting 200K in your, your pocket. So yeah. it looks like you'd be getting about 750 a month in cash flow. Sounds about right. Um, total return between cash flow appreciation and pay down, you're about 78000 79000 on something you got nothing into and it paid you 200k so it doesn't owe you anything at that point point. that's pretty sweet so uh yeah these are these are fantastic projects so um you've given this is probably more numbers than i've done in an episode yeah i love that (laughs) even the numbers but uh yeah and i like that you're pretty conservative with your estimates that's why you're getting into these deals you know that they're going to work um So I want to shift gears into how you're finding these deals, um, what gives you the confidence, and how other people go about finding deals, not just in Hamilton right now, because there's a lot of markets that are going through the same thing. It's it's a seller's market everywhere, it seems. So what are you doing? What's giving you the confidence?
1: The confidence is kind of just what we talked about today, just doing these projects over and over and just really understanding the numbers, really understanding Mm -hmm. the market, where it's going and the future outlook of even the rent potentials, right? Understanding what exactly you're going to be getting for rent, which gives you the confidence to be able to go do these projects.
0: Yeah. Once you know those rent potentials, you just work backwards on your spreadsheet and you're like, well, that should be worth this. Exactly. It just
1: comes down to the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of gives me the confidence to go over and make these offers and pull these projects to the finish line.
0: That's what I like about uh, the Airbnb model. Like when I hear other people like the crazy numbers they're getting, I'm like, well, based on those numbers, this should be worth this. This is like, what am I missing? Right. And I think, you know, the, the touchy thing with Airbnb is that at any given time, a municipality could change their rules mm-hmm. and you're and vulnerable COVID. and you're vulnerable. And yeah, I was going to ask you, you have your Airbnb I unit do. and how's that doing through through the lockdown?
1: At the start, definitely like March and February was tough because Airbnb basically implemented a policy that you could do a free cancellation. So because yeah. of COVID, if anybody couldn't travel to Canada or couldn't travel because of COVID, they could get a brand new free cancellation. So left me with $0 to my name.
0: Oh, so that was, that was a little rough on that one? That
1: was a little rough to get started. But quickly enough, to be honest, a lot of people started booking it up. I think people were just looking for an excuse to get out of their house. So I feel like I even had people in Hamilton booking my apartment just to kind of get an escape from their own place. What is it, a really nice apartment? <laughs> you know what? It's a nice little one-bedroom apartment. It's on Lock Street as well. Yeah. Um, it has everything you need. It has your Netflix. It has 100% yeah. everything. So
0: that's awesome man i I really do want to get into that eventually because i think like the hospitality industry especially in canada if things continue the way they are a lot of people aren't going to be comfortable traveling or aren't going to be able to travel so it'll just be like you said get out of my house where can i go exactly cottage country was so hot this year and uh i just wish i owned many cottages (laughs) my my mother-in-law does and i hear the numbers i'm like oh my goodness amazing numbers up there right now yeah it's it's pretty uh pretty wild so um okay so Market-wise, uh, obviously you've got the confidence. Yep. What do you recommend to people who are who are kind of newer? Um, you know, I, I have a lot of people reaching out to me. They listen to the podcast. They want to get into burrs, and then, you know, trying to figure out how to make the numbers work. What do you recommend to them?
1: I would recommend just learn as much as possible, watch as many videos, listen to your podcast, just really understand what people are doing and try to build up that confidence, right? Maybe start with a smaller one with a duplex conversion and kind of work your way up into the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing is you learn by doing.
0: Yeah. Do you, you didn't start off with Burr's, right? You were just buying holds. Yep. Do you recommend other people start off that way as well?
1: Again, for me, it really depends on what my partners wanted, right? If my partner from the beginning wanted to do a Burr strategy, I probably yeah. would have jumped into it right away. Um, but for me, I've worked with a lot of different partners yeah. and it, I really kind of cater to what they're looking for.
0: But do you have that fear that like, or did you, when you started, well, I don't know what this is going to cost, or did you have the comfort of knowing that you knew enough people that might know?
1: And I think you just kind of nailed it. And that's where I was going to get to is it's definitely all about your network, right? Being able to pick up the phone and call somebody that's done it and really kind of go through those numbers with them and say, hey, Mm -hmm. how much does it cost to rip off a roof and put it back together? Or how much does it cost to drywall a 2,500 square foot house? Having that ability will definitely help with your confidence level.
0: Yeah. I can say from like my first big project, I I broke down everything logically I could think would happen, and I ran it by like people who had done rentals before. I'm like, am I missing exactly. something here? And, and then I went back and I came up with a number. I'm like, this is what I got. And I remember the realtor I was working with at the time. He's like, well, there's no way it can cost that much to rent. And I'm like, here's my list, man. Yeah. What what am I missing? Yeah. And he, you know, he couldn't come back. He's like, I still think you're too high. Uh, but I was right, actually. I was actually higher than it was. I even missed some stuff. Oh. So um, you know, it it doesn't pay to be. Uh, how do we want to put it? Wishful? Mm -hmm. Wishful doesn't pay. you got to be realistic and and objective. And And conservative. And and be conservative, yeah. Yeah. You you don't want to be too conservative. Like, how do you manage balancing being conservative and still not cutting yourself out of deals unnecessarily, right? If you're too conservative, you don't do the deal. Absolutely.
1: And I think when I sell it to the investors, I really tell them I'm under promising and trying to over deliver. Yeah. Right. I'd rather not do the opposite and over promise and under deliver. So I always like to be conservative on that side and kind of show them the potential. Yeah. Right. say that, you know, I'm running my numbers at $1,500 a rent for this one bedroom. Likely, I could probably push it to 16, maybe 1650.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I think I think the other way you can do that is especially if you know that your investors have got a certain amount of money available, you're not using all of it. So yep. that's good. Uh, and then you also say, look, we may not win 100%. We may not knock it out of the park on the initial, but we've got extra land or we've got this potential long-term. 100%. You know, these are things that can sweeten the pot. So, yeah,
1: plan B or plan C down yeah, the road.
0: The big thing is, is you don't only just have plan A. Exactly. Which I think, I mean, that's how I started, plan A. I probably didn't even really think plan A through. I just, I had FOMO real bad and I wanted to buy a property. I'm <laughs> like, okay, gonna buy. Um, so... You know, and that's how I, I made some mistakes. So yep. I think, it, man, if, if I had had the resources that exist today, like on the internet, like it's it's an entirely different game now, right? It's 100%. much harder, but people are much more educated.
1: Exactly. There's so, free education everywhere you look online. Right? Yeah. So if I was somebody starting out, I would say just yeah, grasp as it. much of it, be a sponge and absorb as much information as you can.
0: Yeah, you got to do that. So regarding your partners, yeah. at what point do you see this getting or do you see it getting to a point where... It's a lot of relationships to manage.
1: Yeah, you know what? I always look at relationships. This is real estate, right? We're in here for relationships. Um, I love having multiple partners because everybody wants something different, right? So if I do get a different opportunity, there might be one partner that would never look at that opportunity and Mm -hmm. another partner that would eat up that opportunity the second I show it to them, right? So at one point, it probably will get to the degree of having too many partners to keep those relationships, but my future outlook is definitely focusing on bigger buildings less projects but bigger projects
0: scaling yeah same here right the small doesn't really thrill me i don't really want to do that anymore i want to focus efforts in a in a meaningful way 100 which you're obviously doing you're scaling to bigger buildings keeping your eyes open um how many partners did you say you're working with now like six or about six or seven six or seven and um do you look for like a personality fit like how do you know somebody would make a good partner? and what do you what's a a telltale sign that you don't want to be a partner with somebody a telltale
1: sign that i don't want to be a partner with somebody honestly it's just regular conversations and you get that kind of gut feeling that somebody isn't in line with what you're looking to do and it just makes you kind of turned off to partner with them but just even a simple conversation like this or like you said at those meetups when you're talking to somebody it's just a conversation and to me i trust my gut a lot and sometimes you get that gut feeling it's not the right fit where do you find most of these partners it's a little bit of everywhere. I would say um, meetups, referrals, uh, just my network of people that I've known.
0: Yeah. Do you have clients that come to you just uh, at, because you're a realtor? We yep. haven't even mentioned that yet. Uh, that they, they just want you to find them a house, and you end up partnering with them. Is that happening?
1: Uh, to be honest, that's never happened. Mm-hmm. I've had people kind of throw it out to me and saying, "Do you want to partner on this?" But again, it's got to be the right time, it's got to be the right place, and the right project.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, i guess yeah it's, it's hard because a lot of that's not that tangible it, it is a gut yeah. feel like you said um i think that if we all are honest with ourselves though like when something goes bad we look back and we're like i should have trusted my gut yep yeah. and uh, i've i've been fortunate i don't i've never had a bad uh, jv partner but i've had a situation where i said i didn't i didn't really need a jv there yeah but sometimes that gives you that confidence to move forward you didn't need to but because you did you did more and, you and that, I think, yeah, we all we all have to kind of like listen to ourselves. I, I talk about this a fair bit. Like real estate investing is so much about understanding yourself and Absolutely. understanding what you need to feel comfortable, to feel motivated. I can uh, agree more. At, and on that, no, what is motivating you? What are you trying to accomplish?
1: You know what? It always comes back to that why. And one mm-hmm. of my biggest whys has always been to not sweat the little things, right? And we talk about financial freedom and just being able to experience life to the fullest and that's kind of what pushes me forward and to be honest I just love it I have a lot of fun doing it I enjoy it a lot so I wouldn't want to be doing anything else so you're just enjoying this I'm enjoying the ride
0: best place to be yeah I love it yeah you don't you don't want to work for money you want to get paid hopefully get paid to do nothing and then work for fun exactly
1: right it's all fun at the end of the day and when you're making money it just makes it even more fun
0: yeah okay so real estate business the same like when you're on the uh, transactional side for a realtor business are you you know is that similar uh, similar enjoyment
1: Definitely similar enjoyment. Yeah. Um, I love helping out the investors get into the market yeah. and that kind of thing because I really feel like I'm making a difference in their life.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't hurt that you're talking about something you're interested in. Exactly. Right? Are you mostly with investors? I'd say it's probably split 50 50 at this yeah. point.
1: Um, a lot of first time home buyers, just based on my age, I can relate to them a lot better and understand all their fear and everything else like that. So that's also yeah. very fulfilling helping somebody get into the market because me mean, you know how fast this market's moving. If yeah. people are waiting on the sidelines at this point, two, three years from now, there's likely no chance they can be able to qualify for something.
0: Absolutely. Um, so on that note, would you be able to give me a little bit of a market outlook? Like, what do you see uh, happening? What are you, What's your gut telling you? What are you seeing, like, just as observations right now happening?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a good question. Uh, definitely with a huge, huge push from Toronto, people looking for more space, realizing that they can work from home, even if it's only three to four days a week and they only have to commute one day back to Toronto. We've seen a huge push from people coming um, this way because of that reason. And it's really driving up the prices for the future, right? Seeing what's happening in Hamilton with all the development. I posted an article on Facebook. There's about 21 new developments that people know about right now happening to the downtown Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And there's at least another, I'd say, 10 to 12 that people don't know about that are happening. So taking a look through downtown Hamilton, it's only getting better and better. The biggest infrastructure is getting redeveloped. So the future for Hamilton looks very bright. I know a lot of people yeah. coming from Toronto see a lot of what Toronto used to look like in Hamilton.
0: Well, yeah, definitely that. Now, the the challenge I see with Hamilton is the is the part, you know, in the harbor. Like that, what are you ever going to do about that? And for those who don't know Hamilton, it's like a manufacturing city traditionally. Yep. Wasn't the best demographic. There were like private lenders wouldn't even lend in the area of Hamilton. Now it's hot. Now it's great. Yeah. But like, what do you see happening there? Do you think north of, what is it, Burlington Street? Do you think that's ever going to take off? Or is that always going to be a... It's a good question. I'd
1: say maybe the 20-year outlook looks like it's going to get better. I know it was Stelcord or Fasco that actually ended up renting out some of their excess land to Hollywood studios. So people that are looking to do movies and things like that in Hamilton for extra space. Um, And that's been a really cool part about Hamilton is we're seeing a lot more movies being filmed here. There was an actual studio um, developed in that north end as well, too. So there is a lot of this change coming. I think that industrial space and kind of like what you're talking about, the factories are going to have to go under a little bit of a redevelopment to really put yeah. Hamilton to the next level.
0: If they could, if they could clean it up a bit, you yeah. know, just make it not look quite like it does, you know, that would go a long way. I, I wonder that. I I feel like, you know, the 50 year outlook is a lot of those factories won't be there anymore. Exactly. But uh, time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah. Um, okay. Zach, where do people reach you if they want to uh, learn more or follow your journey?
1: So I'd say Instagram's probably the best it's zach wilms z a c w i l l m s is probably the best place to reach out to me
0: Two else okay all right and I will include that in the uh the show notes and um anything else you'd like to include i'll get uh just appreciate you having me on the show Andrew it's been a pleasure I appreciate you coming it's it's nice to see what you're doing i mean we've talked we've talked a long time and it was it was about time that we had this uh all recorded just so, <laughs> happy to be here yeah all right man well i appreciate it we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon thanks Andrew Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, this is just a quick reminder to head on over to www.andrew-hines.com forward slash DSLive. For the Dylan Souter live stream that's happening Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Wednesday, March 3rd. You can access this through the link in the show notes of this episode, andrew hines.com forward slash DS live. Thanks. I'm really looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday night's stream.